Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, Luke chapter 12 we're looking at this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you or your tablets or you just want to look up at the screen because you haven't got a tablet or a Bible, you can do that. The words should come up on the screen. That's Luke chapter 12 and verse 49. We're going to be looking at Luke 12, 49, right through to 59. I'm going to be reading this morning to start off with from the New Living Translation. There's lots of translations you can read. And New Living Translation, I really felt, just helped me to say what I wanted to say in this particular version. I may skip into other, other translations as we go through, but we're going to look at the New Living Translation that should come up. Luke chapter 12, 49. This is Jesus' own words as he says this. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No. Everyone's thinking, did Jesus really say that? I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd, and by the way, at this point, there were thousands following him to listen to what he had to say. He turned to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west. You say, here comes a shower, and you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you're on the way to court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will throw you into prison. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you've paid the very last penny. I have been grappling with whether to preach this sermon all week. Because actually, it's one of the scriptures in the Bible that no one really wants to preach from. I mean, you've got to admit, do you really like the the words of Jesus when you read that then? Did you expect? Would you have that on your fridge on the magnet? Would you have that on the fridge? That Jesus didn't come to bring peace? Some of us are thinking, I didn't realize Jesus said this. In fact, maybe you're thinking, "I, I maybe want to walk out now. I'm not really sure I like this. Jesus. I really feel today that God wants to say something. And I'm a believer in actually that when you bring the word of God, it always brings fruit. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Who wants the truth? I don't want to have sugar-coated sermons that don't bring truth. And I really sense today that the Lord wants to speak into hearts 
and let's just open up what this scripture is saying. Jesus makes a poignant statement. It's also in other scriptures you'll find he says similar things. But he says this thing in verse 49 where we start out. He says, I have come to set the world on fire. Sounds like an arsonist. He's come to set the world on fire. Verse 51, he says, do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, he says. I've come to divide people against each other. The title of the message today is this, The Firestarter. The Firestarter. You see, Jesus, when he says that he come to this earth, Many people ask the question, why did he come? Why? You know, you, you see the, 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 the stories of Easter that's coming up soon. You see uh, the, the Christmas story. We all have these little cards and we all, how many people have seen on your Christmas card, Jesus, the Prince of Peace or the one who's going to bring peace to the world. But actually the truth is Jesus said something different sometimes to what we perceive. He says, I've come to set the world on fire. And he said, I wish it were already burning. Another version says, I wish it was already kindled. I wish it was already burning. The message version, the up-to-date message version, a great version to look at says this. Jesus says, I've come to change everything. Wow. Boy, do we need change. You'd say, well, he hasn't changed much. Because if I look on the news today, nothing has changed much. He says, I've come to change everything. Then he says, to turn everything, in the message version, the right side up. In other words, it doesn't say, I've come to change everything and make it all a mess. He says, I've come to change everything the right side up. You're asking yourself today then, well, if he came 2,000 years ago and he said he came to change everything and he came to change everything the right side up, why is it then that the world looks so bad? The truth is that the peace that you think he's talking about is not probably the peace he meant. Jesus did not come to this earth Newsflash, everyone, to bring peace between men and women on the earth. He says, I've come with a peace that I'm going to put inside of you. It's very different. It is very, very different. Jesus said this major statement. I love to, I love to preach off scriptures, actually, that reveal what Jesus really said. Sometimes we can hide behind all the other stuff, but the truth is, he said this. I've come to change everything. But you're asking, wasn't Jesus about peace? Wasn't he about peace? I I thought that my Christmas card said he was about peace. The Bible says he's the Prince of Peace. How can that be true? How can he say, have I come to bring peace? No, but yet he's the Prince of Peace. John 14, verse 27, he says to his followers, peace I leave you with you, my peace I give you. Again, does this contradict it? No, he says to his followers, he says, my peace I give you. Not the world. 
Isaiah 9, 6 says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Where's this peace then you're talking about, Jesus? Because I want to know where it is. I want to know where this peace is. I want to bring three things to you today. What I believe when Jesus started the biggest fire on this earth. When he started that fire, I want to show you why he did that. Why did he start a fire that seems to be causing what we may read as problems? I don't believe it's a problem. I believe it's the best fire he ever started that this earth needed. Number one, Jesus started a fire on this earth to restore you. You say, what? Restore me? I don't see any restoration in the world today. He came to restore you. Verse 50, after he just said, I've started a fire, he follows straight up with saying this. In fact, it's actually the reason for what the fire he's talking about. He says, I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me. And I'm under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. Do you know that Jesus was under a heavy burden? He says that he agonized in the garden. He dropped sweats like blood because of what he had to do to go to the cross for you and for me. He's talking about, when he says, I've got a baptism of suffering, he's talking about the cross. He's talking about the cross. He's saying, guys, I've come to this earth to start a fire, to put a match to the earth. Why? Because I'm about to go to the cross. And the result of the cross, the result of my sacrifice on the cross, is going to start the biggest fire in this earth. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. If you want to say he's talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit, no, he's talking about this fire will divide people. It's that powerful. He says, I've got this baptism of suffering. The word baptism comes from the word baptisma. It means if, if you were here just a few weeks ago, we baptized 13 or 14 people and they were baptized not with a little bit of water sprinkled on their head, but they were baptized as they were plunged into the water and brought back up. They were fully plunged under the water because the word baptism means to plunge, to duck, to fully immerse so that you come from death to life. Jesus says, I have got some suffering coming ahead of me, the cross. It is actually something that is, is so bad it's going to immerse me. It's going to be something that is going to plunge me to death. It's going to take everything out of me. In fact, I'm, I'm dreading this, but I know I've got to do it. Why have I got to do it? Because the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. In other words, Jesus said this. He said, I know I don't really want to do this. It's hard. It's difficult. The pain that's ahead of me to start this fire that will divide the earth, it is going to be so tough, but I've got to do it. I must. I must do this. Jesus knew he must go ahead with this sacrifice to start this major fire. I mean, you'd say, well, why did he do this? Why start a fire? Let me tell you, when you have a fire, it gets people's attention. Fire gets people's attention. We were just away just a few, a month or so ago, and uh, I don't know, it seems to happen to us a lot, this, but we were down in, in Wales, and we stayed in a hotel for the night. And we stayed in this hotel... And I was preaching in Wales, 
And we stayed in this hotel for the night. And I went to bed early that night thinking I'm going to get a good rest. I've got to preach tomorrow. And I laid in the hotel room. There's myself, Emma, and the kids. We're all sharing in this one room. Early night. And then I'd been in bed for around two hours. This was the night that I think England were playing Wales in the rugby in Cardiff. We chose one of the worst weekends because our hotel was full of people going out, drinking, celebrating. And so we were, we were early in bed that night trying to get some rest. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what time, it was around midnight or so. All of a sudden, the fire alarm rings. I mean, how many of you know, you're not expecting this, are you? The fire alarm starts to begin to blare. I wake up and I'm thinking, where am I? Where am I? I jumped out of the bed. I don't know if you, Emma was laughing at me. I'm running around the room. By this time, I'd not got the children out. Now I was just thinking about myself. I'm running around the room in a daze. She said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. What's that noise? She said, I think it's the fire alarm. We looked at each other. We're trying to decide, is this the fire alarm? Is it the alarm? What is it? Next thing I do, I took some clothes and I got this jacket. I got no top on underneath, puts the jacket on. And Emma says, pull your jacket up. You can see you've got nothing on. And I walk out to the door to open the door. Now what do we do? The alarm's going. It's ringing really loud. And I opened the door onto the landing of of, of all the rooms. The first thing I did is this. I didn't run out. You see, the fire regulations tell me I'm supposed to get out. But the next thing I do is this. I look down the corridor to see if anyone else is going to go. I'm thinking, how many doors are opening? Everyone starts opening the doors. Everyone's looking at each other. Is he going to go? Some people have not got as much clothes on as I chose to put on. Emma's asking me behind, are they going? By this time, we could have been completely burnt out, but... I'm looking around, looking down. People are looking at me. Is he going to go? I'm looking at him. Is he going to go? I thought, well, someone's got to go. And when that happened, Em said, go on, go downstairs, find out what's going on. You always get the bad jobs, those guys, don't we? So I put a few more clothes on, went downstairs, and I walked down. And, and, and as I walked downstairs, I got, went down the stairs to the main entrance of the hotel. I get down to the bottom, the way that I came in. And for some reason, I was so tired still, in a daze. I get to the bottom of the stairs and I look, and the entrance area where I walk through from reception, I can't see a way out. The shutter has dropped to the floor. And I'm looking, trying to work out, how do I get out of this place? And so the shutter was just about a foot from the floor. So I walk up to it, and and I'm thinking, what's going on? So I lay down on the floor. I'm looking underneath the shutter. This is at midnight. By the way, I've got to preach still the next day. I'm laid on the floor looking underneath, trying to, and all I can see is people's feet. And all I can hear is everyone having a good time in the bar because of the rugby. And I'm looking underneath thinking, what's happening? Is there a fire? Is there not a fire? No one else is behind me. I'm the only one who's done this. I laid there and I'm looking. And so in the end, I thought, I've got to do something. My responsibility is for the kids. I've got to do something. And, and, and Emma? Kids first. I'm sorry. And so 
I looked underneath and I thought there's only one way. I can't get through. So I've got the shutter and I'm pulling the shutter. It looked like Indiana Jones. I was trying to, I actually rolled underneath the shutter. This is no joke. I rolled underneath the shutter. At this point, not, no one on reception saw me do it. I popped up and I walked up to reception. What was amazing is that on the other side of the shutter, everyone was drinking and partying and no one had any idea that the fire alarm was going off. Except the reception guy who knew that it was going off. The people were drinking and having a good time. I walked up, I said, I'm just here. I said, I've just come through. Is the fire alarm to the reception guy? He said, yes, he's fine. Someone's just had a cigarette in the room and you know, you go back to bed. I said, okay, thanks for that. Two hours I've been in bed. I was just getting ready for tomorrow. And so he said, go back to your room and it's fine, it's fine. I realized that I damaged all this shutter. I thought, I hope he doesn't see the shutter that I've just damaged. And I walked over with another guy. This guy's speaking to me and he's saying to me, have you enjoyed the rugby today? I thought, do you realize I've been in bed two hours? I didn't want to tell him. He's talking to me about the rugby. I'm thinking about my pillow. He said, and then he looked at me and says, someone walked through them with all their clothes. He said, what's happening? I said, there's been a fire alarm. He says, all right. I said, I've been in bed two hours. He goes, oh, sorry. I thought you'd been to the rugby. We walked back up to the room. The alarm went off and I got back into bed and rested. By the way, that's happened to me twice in one year. I think the Lord's trying to show me something. How many of you know when the alarm bell goes and there's a true fire that you've got to do something? See, Jesus said, I've come to start a fire on the earth to ring the alarm bell for you to understand that there needs to be a response. You see, the problem is today is some of us, the alarm bell's ringing. It's been ringing for 2,000 years. The alarm bell's ringing, but yet we choose to, is anyone else going to respond to this? No, I think I'll carry on partying. Or is anyone else going? No one else is going, so I I think I'm going to stay my comfort zone. And the truth is this, the truth is that actually you need to always respond to an alarm. If you add the fire regulations officers in, they tell you whether there is a false alarm or not. You must respond for your own safety. The Easter story that's coming up soon is the greatest fire alarm reminder for every one of us that Jesus came to start a fire. Jesus started a fire. Why? I said, number one, to restore you. You see, fire is about purification. Fire is something that purifies. If you were to get some metals, precious metals, particularly gold, you need to get some gold and purify it. When you put the flame or the heat to the metal, it will remove the impurities and allow what's perfect to come from it. How many of you know if you went and got a block of gold that you just found in a mine, the biggest piece of gold, if you took that into the local jeweler's, He's not going to buy it from you as it is. He needs to put that through a refining process. You see, Jesus knows that our lives are full of impurities. He knows that our lives are full of sin. He knows that our lives are full of things that are destroying us. The Bible tells us that the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, impurities in our lives will destroy us. 
Jesus says, I've come to start a fire. Why? To get your attention, to divide, to attract you to me. So you understand that I want to be the refiner's fire over your life. I want to be the one that restores you. How many of you know, I don't know about you, but I've sometimes got some impurities that I could do with getting under the flame. You see, I'm not here today telling you that I've been through the fire and I'm refined totally. I'm constantly saying, I want to go to the one who gets rid of my impurities. Jesus says, I've come to start a fire to restore you. The gold melting point is 1,064 degrees Celsius. It's very hot. But it will bring all the impurities out. And the refining process is something of what we need. Luke 3, verse 16 to 17, John the Baptist, who was one who came before Jesus, he spoke about Jesus coming, and he said this, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork, read this, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In other words, he says, he's coming for the Holy Spirit. He's coming to give you the Holy Spirit, but he's also coming with a fire. I don't know if you've pictured the Jesus like this, but the Jesus I see is not Jesus meek and mild. It's not Jesus with long flowing hair and blue eyes. It's not that Jesus that you've seen on the cards at Christmas. The Jesus I see here is one who John the Baptist describes who will come, and I want you to just grab this picture for a moment, that he stood by a field looking at a field with a winnowing fork in his hands. And he looks at that field and he says, That Jesus came with an unquenchable fire. In other words, he would come and go through that field removing that which is good and what... which is bad and separating it. You see, when the Holy Spirit, when the fire of God comes, it will bring refinement upon you. It'll separate what's bad and bring what is good out. He talked about the baptism of suffering. In other words, the cross. The cross of Christ is the thing that will refine you. When you come to the, to the Savior for what he did for you, the intensity of the cru- crucifixion has the power to refine you. We've sung about it this morning. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Everything. Did you not know that? He came to cleanse the world of sin. I want to tell you that his fire that came was The strongest fire you'll ever know. In Isaiah 52, verse 14 to 15, it describes that when Jesus, prophesied of Jesus, that when he would die on the cross, it says this, his appearance was so disfigured beyond any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Then it says, so he will sprinkle many nations. In other words, it says that Jesus... Get this, he didn't just come with a winnowing fork and say, look at me, I've come to do, make everything nice and if you don't follow me, no, he says he gave his life for you. He came and died on the cross. He took the electric chair of the day for you and for me. Why? So he could sprinkle the nations. The Bible says that he was disfigured beyond human recognition. In other words, you would look at him and not even recognize him. 
Don't even think that the Easter story is something of Jesus took a few little lashes on his back and then he, had, he went to the cross and it was all over in just a moment. You see, the Bible tells us the Easter story is a story that Jesus was mad. Beyond human description, he had so many marks upon him. What he did, the biggest fire alarm to you and to me is this. I have given myself to you. My body is broken for you. So that you can find life abundantly. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you and for me. It removes all impurities. It removes everything. There's nothing today. Nothing can separate you between the love of God. Nothing can remove you from that gift on Calvary for you. Hebrews 9.14, the writer says this. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Leonard Ravenhiller, evangelist, once said this, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad men good. He came into the world to make dead men alive. Jesus didn't come to make people nice. He didn't come to make people, oh, I'm just going to make you a little bit better than you are. No, he says, I'm going to come with my unquenchable fire that restores you. It removes the rubbish. I call it a divine exchange. He's taking all of your trash, all of your impurities, and he makes you perfect, beautiful in his sight. There's nothing in this world that can offer you that. Jesus says, I've come. To restore you. Number two today. Jesus started a fire to reconcile you. To reconcile you. You see, I grappled with this bit of scripture here. And I find it very, very difficult to read. But we've still got to tackle it. Because he says this, Luke 12, 51, do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Listen to me. Jesus is not saying that he was in heaven and said, I'm going to go to earth and ruin everyone's families. I'm going to go to earth and I'm, my objective is to go and destroy families. Listen, the Bible says that Satan, who is the only other one who you can follow other than Jesus, the Bible says. If you ain't following Jesus, he says you're following the enemy. The accuser. He says this. Jesus came and brought division of opinion. Not division in families because that was his objective. He says, when this fire alarm rings, when the fire starts, when I trigger it by being on the cross, and the moment I die and I'm risen, the moment that happens and the fire starts, for all the years that go on from this, people will be divided in opinion. It's either one or the other. I don't want this Jesus. I don't want him. He's a troublemaker. I want to have my life the way I want it. You see, actually, when you don't choose Jesus, you choose self. 
It's been the same since the very beginning. We always want to please self. Moi. Me. I did it for years. But Jesus says, I want to get your attention. Because actually the trouble is, the world has got in the state it is. Because of people running after self. He says, I've come to start a fire to divide opinion. To let people see there is another choice. There is another way. A way that leads to life. He says, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear that? No other religion on the face of the earth can give you access to the Father. I've come to start this fire. I've come to trigger the most amazing fire. It's going to divide opinion. But you must respond to me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't come to the Father except through me. And unfortunately, I've got to go to the cross for this. (sighs) Expect division. Look, don't start looking for a Jesus making everything nice. Jesus didn't come to the world to make nice things nice. If you're looking for that, you're looking at the wrong Jesus. And you've heard the wrong stories. The reason why we're here worshipping every week is we're worshipping the king who brings restoration. The king who's brought an opinion, a division of opinion. And I've chosen to follow him. So when you look sometimes in your family, you say, well, some people believe, some people don't. Listen to me. You're saying, oh, are you preaching at me? Yeah, I'm preaching at you. Why? Because at one time in my life, I was the one who divided the family. Opinion. You see, my parents are here today. They're sat here at the front. In 97, I came to university here. I wasn't a Christian. I wanted to divide my opinion. I didn't want what they had. I made a choice. I'm not listening to this fire alarm. I'm, I'm going to have a party. In fact, I'm shutting the door. I'm having a party. I'm going to do life the way I want to do it. I don't want to listen to what they've done. Do you know why? They never said, we're going to christen you and make you a Christian. They dedicated me, and then they left me to choose Jesus for myself. Many years later, I decided I don't want to respond to this fire alarm. I want to do it myself. In fact, I'm going to prove that my life can live louder than that alarm. I'm going to prove that my life, I can have a party and the fire that I'm going to start is going to be much better than that fire. So I came to university and I chose with not one Christian friend to live a life. When I was growing up and I used to come in and they're probably going to hear stories that they've not heard before. But I used to... It's okay. I'm on the other side of the camp now. I've chosen to follow. But there was times, listen, when I would go out and I would do drugs. There was times when I would get consumed in alcohol, take tablets, pills, all manner of things, get myself in places where I'd never dare go again. There were times I'd walk in the house and I'd walk past my mum and dad and they'd be sat in the lounge and I'd walk upstairs and I'd go into my bedroom. And I would lay in bed. I had a Bible. Sometimes I look at that Bible. Sometimes I read it and I think I'd be, I'd be actually on drugs reading the Bible. I'd read it and think I want what they've got but I just can't do it. In fact actually in my opinion I've chose to live this life. And I divided my opinion. 
I divided our family because I chose not wanting what they had. So let me tell you, I know what it is for Jesus to divide families. The problem is, the problem is that when he divides a family, when you've got someone in your family who is on fire for Jesus Christ and is on fire because the refiner's fire is purifying them, when you get around them, the fire begins to touch you. The fire begins to affect you. The fire begins to touch your life. Every time I would walk in the room, there'd be conviction, not because they condemned me, but because every time I walked through the room, I knew that the fire of God was on their life. And I knew that I needed that. But I chose, keep doing it your way, Phil. The truth is this, I'm telling you this, because I knew I needed that fire. Jesus says, I've come to divide families. I've come to divide them to show them that I am the truth. When the fire gets near you. Listen to me. If you've got a Christian in your family, if you've got someone truly on fire for Jesus, and by the way, a Christian does not mean ticking the box on the application form. Which religion am I? Hmm. I don't know what I am, but I suppose everyone's a Christian. No. A Christian is when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you say, I trust in you. I put all my trust in the one who gave his life for me, who started the fire, and I want to follow this fire. That's what it is. That's what it is. Expect division. Expect division. I don't know if you ever found this, but Social media, people put stuff on social media all the time now. Why do they do it? They're they're waiting for the likes. How many likes have I got? That's That's what the world's come to today. How many likes have I got on Facebook? How many retweets can I get on Twitter? How many mentions can I get on Twitter? How many likes can I get on Instagram? Everyone likes to be liked. I remember I shared, last year we went to Malta and I shared things on Facebook. I've got friends on Facebook who don't believe in Jesus and I love them. I meet up with them all the time. I love my friends. I don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be a friend of mine. I love them all. And these friends of mine, they like things that I put on. You know, you put on that someone's just won the X Factor, you'll get 20 likes. You put on that Jesus just healed someone on the streets and he's alive and no one likes it. Why? Because Jesus divides opinion. He divides opinion. He divides opinion. I want to ask you today, how is he divided in your opinion? Truth, I put here, is not measured by its level of popularity, but by its level of authenticity. Not by its level of popularity. Not because someone likes something, is it truth? It's by its level of authenticity. And Jesus has the ability to restore you and refine you. On Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal, they were challenging Elijah. They were challenging Elijah and Elijah had a contest in the Old Testament. He had a contest as to who's going to, which God is going to produce the fire. He's there with prophets of Baal. I'm sure the prophets of Baal have had lots of likes on Facebook. The prophets of Baal would have had lots of people following them, liking what they do. Oh, they're cool. And Elijah decides to say, we're going to prove who the real God is. 
Because the real God without any match is going to light this fire on this altar. And you better call to your God, I'll call to mine, and we'll prove who the true God is. This is what it says in 1 Kings 18 verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. How many of you know the truth of that story? The result is this, that God sent his fire and consumed all of the wood and it even licked up the water on the altar. The prophets of Baal saw nothing. That's because when the fire of God comes, it divides opinion. 2016, there were 7.4 billion people on planet Earth, around 2.3 billion Christians. 32% of the world today claim to be Christians. It's the biggest religion. But it's still not. Out of 7.4 billion, there is divided opinion. Jesus says, I've come to confront this. When you get near the fire, you feel the heat. John 1, 9 Verse 13 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We find true peace when we find our heavenly dad, amen? When we find our true dad. You say, I love my dad, but I know I found a dad who is perfect in every way. He's come to reconcile you. He says, I've come to divide families because I'm going to show you a family that is the most amazing family. I'm coming and it's going to divide opinion over me and separate people's views in families. Why? Because the people who choose me and realize I'm real and I am the truth, the people who truly engage with me will find that they find a new family. And when they have a new family... Other family members are going to be, oh, I don't want that. But actually the truth is, he says, I'm going to reconcile you back to me. The whole point of the cross was to reconcile you back to the Father. Sin separates you between God. Jesus says, I've come so that I can fill the void of separation. Not come to condemn you, I've come to fill the void. I want to find my true dad today. Number three, finally, Jesus started a fire not just to alarm you and to restore you and to reconcile you. But listen, he started a fire. Why? Because when it separates the division and the opinions of people, he says, I'm going to separate people unto me and I'm going to fill them with my Holy Spirit, a fire of the Holy Ghost. Number three, Jesus started a fire for you to receive. Luke 12, 56, he turned to the crowds. He says, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what's right? Do you know why he was saying this to the crowds? Because I don't know if you've read this, but if you go back in Luke before this, you'll see that Jesus already was performing miracles before their eyes. That is why the thousands followed him. They followed him because they know that he was performing miracles. And when they saw the miracles, when they saw what Jesus was doing, they followed. He says, Do you, I cannot understand it. You can follow the signs of the sky, but you cannot even see that when I perform these miracles that you're seeing right before your eyes, you accept the weather, but you don't accept me. And listen to me today. There are still today miracles taking place. Jesus is on the move through his people. 
We are seeing here over the last several years, thank God, we're seeing God move in power. The fire of the Holy Spirit is working through individual believers who choose to receive him. And when they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out and they do works. The Bible says that we will do greater works than he did. In other words, he says to these people, he says, you've seen, you've seen the, all these signs, the healings I've been doing, but you don't accept me. Later on, he says, you're going to do the same things, guys. Because when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to do the same. I want to be a firebrand for Jesus. That his fire is moving on the inside of me. In 2002, I was in this church and I received Jesus. 2002. Came from a life of doing what I wanted to do. And now I chose to go on to the other side of the opinion. It's the best decision I ever made. For Jesus Christ. And when I did that in 2002, I saw through that period of time the level of what the world, I saw people who'd been involved in the occult very early on being touched in a bad way in their lives. And I saw the power of the name of Jesus deliver them. See, when you get on the right side of the opinion, you begin to see the truth. You begin to see who Jesus really is. He says, I want you to receive me, but also receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost so you can be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right at the very beginning of the church as it triggers, it says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus says this, when you receive me, I want you to be filled with my spirit and you're going to be a firebrand. And guys, I want you to start going and starting some fires on the earth as well. Wherever you go, you're going to start fires because the fire of my spirit is going to work through you. Listen to me. Jesus didn't just come and just start one big fire. He came to start lots of little fires inside every one of us. And when you receive him, you'll realize that you can be filled with the fire of God, the Holy Spirit, and also move in power and authority. I want to read to you those disciples who listened to Jesus and followed him. He says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, they came, they were all gathered in one place. Suddenly, a sound Like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. In other words, at that moment in time, the very birth of the church... The start of the church didn't start from someone reading a book and saying, let's start a religion. It started when tongues of fire separated on individuals who chose to follow what Jesus said. When the tongues of fire separated upon them, they were minute, they sent out and separated into all the world. And from that moment, there has been fires started across this earth that has caused 2.3 billion people to choose Jesus. His fire is still burning people. As we come to a close and as the team get ready just to finishing worship, I want to remind you of a man, and I heard it just this last week, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. 
If you read upon John Wesley, you'll find out some, a lot of information. He went around on a horse and ministered all over the world and touching lives and bringing the message of Jesus. He says in his lifetime, he preached 40,000 sermons. 40,000 sermons. He traveled 250,000 miles on a horse, not a train or British Airways. No, he traveled on a horse. 250,000 miles until his death in 1791. And thousands would come and listen to what John Wesley had to say about Jesus Christ because he was going and sharing this news. He was becoming someone who was a fire starter. He said, I want to be someone who's full of the Holy Spirit and I want to be a fire starter. I'm going to tell the world about Jesus. And as he began to do that, listen to me, someone once asked John Wesley, they said, why is it that you have all of these thousands of people listening to you and your sermons? And John Wesley's reply was said to be this, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Not, I've got a nice little sermon with a few points. No. He says, I set myself on fire. People come and watch me burn. See, when the fire of God is upon you, it will change you and change you ever you're around. Jesus didn't come in this world to bring division and cause problems. He came to unite the world unto him. And if you receive him, you'll realize the greatest fire alarm bell, you can either sit in your room and say, you know what, someone else is going, but it's not for me. I want to encourage you today, accept him. You may say, I've got no idea anything about this Jesus. Well, listen to me. Not many people have, but you need to learn about what he has to say. Because he will change your life. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.